Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey. And as usual, on this podcast, we interview people who took a leap of faith in life to do something new or out of the norm, to break away from tradition, to do something new, to embark on a journey of self-discovery or enlightenment, to take a path less traveled, to do something daring, or to serve and lead or make a difference in the world when all seemed impossible and the odds were stacked against them. We seek to discover the motivations that lead someone to take a leap in life and to live a life that is extraordinary. Today, we get to interview one of my very good friends, Mr. Albert, or more affectionately known as Bud Ayers, who is a senior lecturer at San Jose State University. His topic of expertise is social dancing. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to dive into this. He has been dancing since 1990, has taught thousands the joy of dancing as well as physical and social benefits of dancing. Bud truly believes that if more people dance, the world would be a better place because dance more so than not is an expression of joy. I'll tell you what, right now the world needs lots of joy. We need to come together as a people. So I'm sure Bud's going to be sharing a whole bunch about that with us. He destroys the popular excuses of having two left feet and no rhythm simply by saying it's not your ability, but your desires that make you a great dancer. And the majority of dancers were taught, not born. What separates Bud is he prefers to be called from some of the other dance instructors is his words of wisdom and life lessons that he incorporates at the end of each class. He also uses his analytical and geometric skills to teach those who are more engineering minded, kind of like me. So I'm sure that maybe, Bud, you'd be able to help me uh, with what I perceive as my two left feet. And I've got a daughter that's going to be, you know, coming of age here a little bit. I've got a few weddings in my future, so I need to learn how to get get back into the move here. So anyways, let's, let's, let's go on a little bit more. He's gone from uh, the ballpark to the ballroom and has never looked back. He's happily married to his wife, Deborah, uh, whom he met dancing as well. He has three children, seven grandchildren, and his signature phrase is, I've never met a person who wished they couldn't dance. Bud Ayers, welcome to Taking the Leap podcast. You have taken a couple big leaps in your life, and we can't wait to have you on here to discuss some of this. I am so honored to be here, Bob. I've just been looking forward to this moment. Uh, It's kind of scary because now everybody's going to know my life. (laughs) They are going to know your life. They're going to know my life and the risks that I took, the mistakes that I made. And one of my goals with this uh, whole thing is that a lot of people come back and, you know, thank me for everything I've done. And it's just only the people that can't, that go to my classes get this benefit. Mm -hmm. So with, you know, the news media nowadays and how fast things can go viral, I figured, well, now is the perfect opportunity because everybody's at home. Uh, We want to get into the mindset of being a little bit happier. Mm -hmm. I focus on possibilities instead of problems. And my whole goal is to get people to start thinking differently. Uh, Like, as you you know me, I love acronyms. So score a touchdown, TD, which means think differently. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, look, there's so much to, ch- to chat about uh, regarding your background, and, and I'd like to kind of maybe break this interview up into uh, three 
uh, distinct segments. Uh, first, we want I want to dive in and learn all about your background in dancing. Uh, you know, you know, how did you get your start? Why are you so passionate about it? All those types of things. Then I want I'd like to move into your work at San Jose State University as a college professor and, and, and what you're doing there, teaching students, lecturing. Uh, I, I want to put my finger on the pulse. Our, our, our listeners want to learn maybe a little bit from you about what's going on in our college campuses. Uh, I've got some questions there for you on that. And then finally, we want to move into your latest leap, the big working project that you are putting together all through 2020 that just came out, your brand new book, Words Matter. And I want to uh, dive into what made you want to write this book? What are you hoping to accomplish with it? And I've got a couple of quotes I want to pull out of there, but I, I think it's very timely for what we're facing as a country right now, and especially what people need to hear. But why don't we go all the way back to the beginning? Bud, a, you're a dance lecturer. You're a dance professor. You're helping people with dance. Well, well, how did you get started? Uh, loneliness. Really? <laughs> I was actually going through a divorce at the time, and... Um, so the only way I knew how to get out of my doldrum, because I, uh, I had three kids at that time, and I didn't want, I, I always believed that I had to be an example for my children. And as I saw myself deteriorating from the divorce, I thought, how can I teach my kids about having a positive life if they're watching me go downhill? Mm -hmm. I decided to, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps, as they say. I started by hitting a ball against the wall, playing tennis by myself. Then I ended up joining four softball leagues. That way, I wasn't focused on me. I was focused on a team. Mm -hmm. I, I'm part of the team. I give more of myself, and I worry less about my problems because, you know, if, if I'm doing bad, my team does poorly. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to show my kids that, hey, I'm going to be an example. This is a challenge, but we're going to get through this. So that's what got it started. Now, the thing was, I'm a person who likes to be with someone. I don't like to be, I didn't like to be single because I was so used to having someone in my life since I was 16. And I wasn't meeting any women playing softball. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the fans. Uh, it wasn't a target-rich environment for you? Yeah, it was not a target-rich environment at all. And I decided one night to just try nightclubbing. I went out to bars and... Um, I literally went out to bars for three months without ever getting on the dance floor. I just sat and observed and watched. And I took note of who the more popular dancers were. And then I would go home and secretly practice in my bedroom all the moves that I could do. And then I was ready. <laughs> three months of practicing in your bedroom. All right. Okay. So I, I, I think there's been some movies like that, right? Where the, 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 um, what's, the, what's the famous movie I'm thinking of where the guy goes home and he's like watching like American Bandstand and then he goes to like a, a high school. Um, it was like in the 1980s. We'll have to put this in the show notes, but it was a famous like Can't Buy Me Love, I think. It was Can't Buy Me Love. Um, and there's Napoleon Dynamite too. Mm-hmm. And they're all practicing in their bedroom. They're getting ready for the big high school dance, you know. And All right, so that, that's you. This is your first time for you to learn how to dance. And then where, where do you go from there? So I would go dancing uh, three nights a week. So I, I committed uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for dancing, Monday through Thursday for softball. And it was just a way to, you know, meet people, meet women. And uh, one day I met some woman who I categorize women into two different categories, those who could dance rock and roll and those who could dance what I call disco or funk. 
Okay. They were usually two different type of women. Then I met this one woman, and she could dance to both styles. So we hit it off, and we just had a blast. So we just uh, ended up having a friendship that was great. And then she disappeared for a few months, and then she called me back and said, hey, you know, you remember me? I said, what do you mean I remember you? We had a great time. I said, well, I'm now a teacher at a dance studio. Would you be my guest? And that's, that is history right there. As soon as I said yes, that was, that's what opened the door, and I, and I never looked back. Wow. My introduction to dancing. Your introduction to dancing. I, I still remember to the day where I was sitting when I first got exposed to ballroom dancing. I was sitting in my living room watching a PBS ballroom championship, and I go, that looks like so much fun, I could do that. Four years later, I'm actually doing it. That is amazing. So you're, you're teaching it at the university level, and I, as I was reading your bio, a lot of the students that are taking this class are uh, are trying to fulfill a PE requirement. And right. so they come in, they're fulfilling a PE requirement. I would imagine that some of them are maybe like you, like, hey, I want to get a little bit better at um, at dance and, you know, going out on Friday nights. Maybe there's pe people like me who I'm thinking in the back of my mind, hey, I've got a couple of weddings coming up here. I've got four daughters. I need to, you know, get my uh, dancing shoes ready. So uh, t tell me about the, the folks that are in your class, what they come in with, I, I would imagine, a wide range of of experience and maybe things that they're hoping to get out of this class but at the end of these classes this is where you've kind of uh, termed your words of wisdom and you actually are starting not only teaching folks about dance but you're using it as a way to encourage and to help people um, through this class T tell me a little bit about that so in all in, in all honesty less than one percent take my class to learn how to dance Less than 1%, the majority of the people, because I always ask this question, I say, how many of you are here, uh, for, you know, just for an easy, easy A or a credit, mm -hmm. pretty much your hand. Um, you know, I ask the question, how many here are going to be professional dancers? Yet, through my years, seven, seven of them have turned professional that had no interest in dancing. Wow. Okay. So, the, what I do is I show them the joy that dancing brings to people, because one of the other things that I do that no other teacher does that I am aware of is I teach male-female communication. In other words, I teach men about women, I teach women about men. What makes me qualified to do this is that I'm in the business where I'm with women all day long and I'm still married. So I think I have the communication part. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a matter of trust. It's learning you trust your partner. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I told everyone when we first met, I said, you have to watch me practice. You have to watch what I do. And if you're not comfortable with it, we have to make a decision because I am going to be with other women. Mm -hmm. I'll be dancing with them and I'll be, and you have to be able to okay with that. And she was fine. And we've been together ever since. So um, it was just a, an understanding of where I, as, I am as a teacher. I love to teach. Mm -hmm. I love to show the benefits of dancing. So what happens is this, where life and dancing cross, is that the people that come to me always come in, like you just said, I have two left feet, I don't know how to dance. And that's pretty much how life is. We go into something, we have no idea what we're doing, uh, and we're embarrassed. And dancing puts you, especially the way I do things, is it puts you out in front. It makes you take risks and then show you, hey, you survived it. Um, I always tell people, you know, when you get up here and you're going to perform in front of class, 
the oxygen is going to get a little thin. You're going to mm-hmm. feel lightheaded. It's going to feel scary, but I guarantee you, you will survive. Mm-hmm. And then that rush will come over you. I'm like, oh my God, that was so much fun. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. So, Bud, a quick question there on, on that particular point. Do you find that when people are getting started, it sounds like fear is holding them back. You know, we, we live in a society where people don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to look like a fool. They don't want to get out in front of people and be embarrassed. And so there's these fears that are holding us back. And it seems like dance can be one of these maybe training grounds where it teaches us to get outside of our comfort zone, to, it teaches us to lean into that fear, to get out in front of people. And then once we do it, all of a sudden we're realizing it's like, hey, this isn't so bad. I'm learning. It's not, and, and we don't take ourselves so seriously. And do you see that your students are then able to take what they're learning on the dance floor and apply it into other areas of their life to make them, uh, help them be successful? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Because what they learn is that people's thoughts don't hurt them. Yes, that's brilliant. Okay, so when they're sitting there and they're dancing and they're they're worried about other people's thoughts, you know, nothing's really happening to you. It's all in your head. It's what you're thinking about what they're thinking. They might even not be thinking what you're thinking they're mm-hmm. thinking. We make these imaginary enemies, these, these imaginary fears, and it never comes to pass. Oh, yeah. The, the fear is so, you know, I love the saying, fear kills more dreams than death. Mm. Because in life, there's more things that we're afraid of than we are just taking a chance of living. And it's come to a point where it's like, it's so sad because I watched some of these kids who are, and I talk to them, and, you know, their pressure is, is not because they want to succeed. Their pressure is because their parents want them to succeed because their parents are so afraid for their future. I even had a, a student of mine who became a professional dancer, and his parents disowned him. Really? He said, longer my son because you are not a professional in their eyes you're not a doctor you're not a lawyer you're not an engineer so they disowned him wow yeah so and uh you know he ended up becoming a national champion so i was like wow that's 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 an amazing journey if anybody would not interview about taking a leap mm-hmm. he would be one of them for sure one of my students he started out being very very shy uh, he was started out as an engineering student. He was going to be, you know, a software engineer, and he got into dancing. He was meeting women, and his life changed. <laughs> he just went, Phew. and when he first started, he had no. Ri- I, I I like using him as an example mm-hmm. because a lot of people see the finished product; they don't see the work that goes into it. I'm wanting the people to see what goes on behind the scenes. Because I want them to understand that life is not just success. It's failure, 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 success, failure, failure, failure. Mm-hmm. success, because you, you get it right. So it's, it's about learning to struggle. Mm-hmm. Never the destination, it's the journey. Like um, if you look at any adventure movies, Lord of the Rings, uh, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, or any of those, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel they always have a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not the destination. It's what the heck do they have to deal with? Mm-hmm. And I think but I, the message I want to get people across is that your challenges are what's going to help you develop to become a better person. If you, no one ever changed the world by sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Okay, nobody, nothing ever happens by sitting in your comfort zone. So uh, that's how, what I promote with dancing because by dancing, you're putting yourself out there. Uh, one of the jokes I tell my kids is, you know why guys don't like to dance? Why is that? 
because we can't lie about it. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it is apparent to everyone who's watching if you know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing, or right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just there. And it's funny because there was actually a TV show where the guy came in and goes, Mom, Mom, you got to help me how to dance. Go, why? He goes, I told Janet I was a great dancer and we have to dance tomorrow. <laughs> and it's like, uh, typical and, mistake. And, and that's the truth. Uh, so part of what I teach the ladies in my class is that men are actually very, very vulnerable. We have this castle that we built around us to pretend like we're really, really strong. And what happens is when you get into our hearts, we basically give you the back door to our castle. So we let you inside. That's why very few men let you in because they know once you're in the castle, they're done. Mm -hmm. Our hearts are very, very fragile in reality, but we pretend like, oh, we're, mm -hmm. I can handle it's physical pain. I can recover from that. Mm -hmm. Emotional pain is far more, far more devastating than physical pain. Yeah. And so when guys... You know, let's face it, we, we'll lie about anything to get you. We'll, like he said, you know, hey, this is my car, it's not my car, or yeah, I look like this, we dress like this, we do everything we can to impress, even though it's not even really us. And, but dancing exposes all the lies right off the bat. You say, I'm a good dancer, and she goes, hey, let's go dancing. That's it. You've been caught in a lie. <laughs> I love the way that you're using the dance floor to kind of help people uh, get outside their comfort zone. Because as you said a second ago, fear holds uh, and dashes more dreams than death. And I've seen so many people who, you know, in society, we want people want to sit on the sidelines. They don't want to be separated from the crowd. They don't want the spotlight on them. They're afraid of what other people might think or say. And it's almost like we've got this, we're, we're preconditioned to be a part of group think or, and, 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 and never break outside those molds. And I, I love, I've personally in my life have looked for ways in which how can I help myself or manufacture things that will get me outside my comfort zone, get me to push the envelope, because I realize that's critical for me to be able to grow in, in whatever capacity I need to grow in. And I think this is a, a wonderful uh, way in which you can help teach young people to, hey, get out there, have the spotlight on you, have everybody watching, and who cares what they think? Who cares what they say? Just live life, do, you know, do it to the best of your ability. Uh, I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, the letters that I get from my students, the comments that I get from my students, that's really, that's what's really priceless. You know, when you affect someone's life in a positive way, where they take a chance and it's like, oh my God, I, uh, I had one student, she said, thanks to you and your words of wisdom, I'm now president of this club, I'm president of this club. I never thought I would ever get this out of a dance club. Wow. I've even had one student tell me, I've learned more about business from you than I did in my business classes. <laughs> well, let, let's, move in, let's move into that. Let's, let's, tell me a little bit about you being a, uh, a lecturer there at uh, San Jose State University. The things, I mean, you, so you've been teaching now for, for many years. You are smack dab in the middle of the education system. We hear a lot about our education system being talked about in politics today. Uh, lots of ideas on what's working or not working things that need to get fixed. T tell me, you know, from your vantage point, what do you see? What are some of the things that you feel like our education system here in America is doing right? And where do you feel that we need to make improvements? And what are some of the changes that you uh, think need to be addressed? Okay. So first thing, um, I use this term, learn and purge. I said the problem 
that the universities have right now is we're still using a system that's based on the industrial revolution thinking. Mm -hmm. Their goal is to make you an employee. Their goal is not to make you an entrepreneur. And that, that really depends. I mean, everybody has their own little thing. That's mm -hmm. your choice. But the thing is, most of you are not given that choice. Mm -hmm. You're not how to do things. Um, I, I just did this today, as a matter of fact, in my classes. I'm going to show you the difference between knowledge and experience. Um, one of the biggest common comments people say is, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I said, okay, so I'm going to show you the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, I'm going to give you the three things that are the most important things in your life if you want to be successful. They are mindset, habits, and choices. Okay? Now you know. I don't have to tell you anything. Your mindset, your habits, and choices will determine where you end up in life. Okay. Now you know. What do you do with it? And that's what happens. People understand or hear the words. They don't understand the concept. What do you, what do you mean mindset? Well, no. You fix your mindset and you'll be successful. Well, what the heck does that mean? Well, it's either A, B, or C. And what happens is, and part of it is because of this, the teaching system as well, is that, you know, as a teacher, you don't want to be sitting there correcting thousands of papers. I've got 400 students and to correct every single test. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a lot of time. It's very time consuming. So we've made it simplified by giving a multiple choice. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is life doesn't give you multiple choices. You have to figure out the problem and then solve it. You know, it's not like, okay, our business is failing. What do we do? A, do we reinvest in our business? B, do we cut, you know, change our vendors? C, you got to figure that stuff out. So they come in, and I'll use my wife here as an example. They hired some kid who was with a bachelor's in international business, and he couldn't solve a problem. He couldn't solve the problems that the company was throwing at him. Wow. Part of it was trained properly, mm -hmm. but he's not taught to solve problems. And I teach my students. The, this is what companies are looking for communication skills problem solving skills you are not not one of you are, are taught that so there's a big so I, it, it sounds like what you're articulating is that there's a big difference between uh, having data and knowing how to apply that data to solve a problem right so like knowledge is hey I, I I know the answer I've got the I've got the data wisdom is like okay well, what do you do with that how do you apply it and actually have practical application to solve a, a real world problem and use it right I have two stories that I use I say okay so let me show you the difference between again knowledge and experience here's a hammer I'm going to show you how to use a hammer mm-hmm now you know how to use a hammer. Okay? Go build a house. So you know how to use a hammer, but can you build a house? Mm -hmm. It's no. Okay? So it's not knowing. It's actually learning, experience, and applying. Uh, the other one I use is the difference between passion and knowledge. So I say, okay, let's say that your education, let's just give it a different car. Now I'm going to date myself here. So let's say if you have a PhD, you drive a Mercedes. If you if you have a college degree, you drive a BMW. If you have a so-and-so, you drive a Pinto. High school graduation, you have a Pinto. And if you didn't graduate, you have a used car. Okay? Got the idea. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say you are in San Francisco and you want to get to L.A. You drive a Mercedes, but you have no gasoline. Are you going to be able to get to L.A.? No. 
Exactly. Knowledge is simply the automobile. It's simply the thing that gets you there. Passion is the gasoline that will mm-hmm. get you there. Mm-hmm. So you have a person who has uh, a used car, okay? But he has all the gasoline in the world. He's going to go a lot further than the person who has a Mercedes-Benz who has an empty tank. Mm-hmm. The part that I don't think we teach. We keep saying, get this degree, get this degree, get this degree. Like, that's not the point. If you can't communicate, nobody wants to talk to you. You know, you, you just think, well, I have this degree. So I used it, another example. I said, all right, uh, there was a, a job opening in San Francisco. Guess how many people applied for this one position? You know, let me in. 10, 15. I said 5,000. Wow. Now, what's going to make you stick out of those 5,000? See, you guys think when you go on an interview, well, I have this degree, I have this degree. Well, guess what? Everybody else has the same degree. Mm-hmm. So what's going to make you stick out? What makes you stick out is your problem-solving skills. See, a lot of people don't think about companies. I was different when I was in the plastics industry. I was one of the few employees who actually cared about my company. My philosophy was this. If my company loses money, I'm out of a job. Mm -hmm. The salespeople said, if I don't get a commission, I don't make money. They didn't care about the company. They just cared about the commission. Mm -hmm. I cared about the company. I said, because if if we keep losing money, you're out of a job too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you had to connect the dots and say, hey, let me under let me let me share with you what's going on here. It's amazing, and and so many companies are dollar are penny wise and dollar foolish, and that is they're looking at the bottom line without realizing what's causing the bottom line, mm-hmm. and part of it is experience. Mm-hmm. They try to cut corners, and that those corners end up costing them more money, and it's like uh, one of the things that drove me crazy was uh, I was in the plastics industry for twelve years. And we have a cycle. So every September is our busy cycle because we used to be in the print industry and that's when people would do advertising. Mm -hmm. So every September we would get busy. So when would we hire? In September. And I looked at the boss and said, guys, we shouldn't hire in September because there's only five of us. And when we have to hire, that means you're taking one of us out. So we actually have less capability and they're struggling through that. We should hire in July when it's slow so that now they have two months in which to answer all those questions. And then when we hit September, we fly. Mm-hmm. You're like, why did I think of that? It's like, not even a business major and I can think of these things. It's like, okay. So I, I'm just a problem solver. That's, yep. that's what I, I see. I look at something and go, there's got to be a better way. And I, I will keep going until I do a better way. I love how you're connecting the dots with your students and letting them know that it's not just about a degree, but it's also you've got to match that degree with passion. Uh, I was chatting with a couple business leaders here recently, and uh, they were kind of um, lamenting the the number of young people who are graduating with degrees, uh, even going on and getting master's degrees, and having this... Um, expectation that because of that it instantly was giving them access to say the c-suite or and it's like whoa 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 hold on you don't have you don't have experience you have you don't have context here of what's going on and and there's this disconnect and i think what you're doing is you're giving a, a real world dose of reality to young people and saying, hey, it's very important. Yes, you need to have this check mark if this is what you're wanting to do in life. And I think we're also seeing today that there's a lot of people who, where you don't need a college degree. And you can go out there and you can become an entrepreneur and do various things. You don't need to get saddled up with debt uh, to be successful. But 
you're giving some great wisdom and helping connect, right? Helping connect the, the dots for young people to understand that pathway for success. What do you see as um, some of the biggest challenges that young people are facing at the moment? When you're, when you're talking with your students, what are, they, what are they worried about? What are they stressed about? What are their challenges? Exactly that. They're just stressed about everything. I had one student who hadn't even taken my class yet, and her first question to me was, what's my final going to be like? <laughs> you don't even know what the, what the class is about, and you're worried about the final? Mm -hmm. I said, you're way too stressed. And one of the rules in my class is they have to leave their stress at the door. I said, when you come to my class, if you are worried, you come and talk to me, because we're going to get rid of that worry right away. Worrying does absolutely nothing. And if you're worrying about dancing, your mindset is poor. Mm -hmm. You're not going to. You're, you're not going to be fully engaged. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to. You, you at that point, you truly will have two left feet. <laughs> and you know, you can't focus on on just being in the moment. We have such a problem of being just in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I do it. You know, I sit there, and they've been much better than before. Mm -hmm. uh, when phone, when cell phones became a big thing, you know, they would answer their phones in class, and I'd look. You really can't get away from your you know your phone for that long i had a student that i was teaching private lessons one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one, and she would literally pick up the phone while i'm teaching her <laughs> disconnect you know yeah. separate yourself from that time because it's not that important what's going on out there and so do you is that causing is that causing stress is it that we're too hyper connected is it fomo you know the whole fear of missing out what what is causing young people or and not just young people i know we're talking about young people in your class but you said they're very stressed i think we as a society right now there's just a lot of people very very stressed what's causing that do you, do you know do you have a, a an idea being judged being accepted um the biggest thing is what I find is parents. Mm -hmm. The parents are putting the pressure. And I try to tell them, I said, look, most of your parents just want the best for you. And I'm, you know, I hope this doesn't come across as racist or I think because I'm Asian. And a lot of Asian families are very particular about their student. You know, that's why Asians do better in math and all that. The tiger mom mentality. Have you heard that term yeah. tiger? Yeah. That was a book, I think. Yeah. That's a based on their fear. Mm -hmm. They know like to be a third-class citizen and they don't want that for their children the problem is they don't know how to communicate that they just go you're not going to be in that class you're going to pass you're going to this instead of being clear and say you know honey uh the reason why i'm pushing you so hard is because i know what it's like to be in that third class citizenship and once you're there it's almost impossible to get out mm. yes i oh I'm being difficult. I know I'm being tough, but it's for your own good. And I hope that you realize that later instead of, well, you didn't get an A and you didn't, this is, mm -hmm. we're not motivating them. We're just, we're constantly doing everything out of fear. You don't want to do this because of this, you know, because of the consequences as opposed to the positive consequences, which is, hey, you might enjoy your life. You might look back and go, wow, I've had a fantastic life versus, yeah, I ended up going to school. Uh, you know, got my degree. I was depressed for five years. I didn't get a job. And also they get to the habit of what I call learn and purge. They learn the subject matter enough to pass the test and then they purge it. Oh. They purge patient. I said, you might as well give me the thousand dollars because you're not going to do anything with that money. At least I will take your money and do something with it. But uh, it's that type of thing. They're not taught the value of their education for the value of the education it's more of the degree mm -hmm. instead of what really worth
It's uh, tell me real quick about the learn and purge. I mean, how, how do you help them flip the narrative on that? If, if if they've just been they've been going through school their entire life and they've been chasing grades, right? They need to get that little gold star. They need to get the A, uh, and they're just they're 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 maximizing everything for a transcript as opposed to maximizing learning knowledge and retaining knowledge that they can leverage in life. How do you help them flip that script? Okay, so the first thing I do is I teach, I talk about basic math. Mm -hmm. Guys, I'm a lot older than you. Some of you, I'm three times your lifetimes. So Mm -hmm. I think I have a little bit of knowledge that I can share with you. Number one, things you want to never forget. Basic math. If you have to do basic math, do it in your head. Don't do it on a calculator. You guys are so lame right now, you can't even do four plus four. I do a simple math problem. I say, okay, typical minute to 60 seconds. Uh, A measure is four beats uh, four beats in 60 seconds. So how many seconds would it be if I took 60 divided by four? And they're looking at me and they have to pull out their phone. Like it's 15 seconds, guys. Uh, that's basic math that they can't do. And I said, here's the thing. Technology, as though it's great as it is, is actually making you dumber because you're relying so much on the technology to do your thinking for you. Uh, what I do for fun, and this is weird, I know I calculate tax in my head just to keep my brain sharp. So if I'm if I'm buying something like $22, I'll go, okay, the tax is roughly 10%, so $2.20. So when I do the tip, I'll do the tip in my head. Again, just to keep my math knowledge sharp. You're exercising the most important muscle in your body. Yes, and, and not only that, it's when you understand math, then I can explain the rule of 72. This is the one that opens up all of my students' eyes. And I say, okay, how many of you have heard of the rule of 72? I go, never heard of it. Okay, so the rule of 72 is a mathematical equation, whereas you take that number and every, you divide that number into 72, and that will determine how quickly your money doubles. So let's do it really quick. Uh, let's say you have something that's paying you 18% interest. I'll make it easy. I said, I'll make it easy. 18% interest. What's 72 divided by 18? He said, uh, uh, you know, four. Okay, it's four. So that means if you have something that's getting interest at every 18%, every four years, your money will double. Mm-hmm. You got that? Yeah, that's, why, that's why investments work. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. That's what banks charge you. I said, so what does that mean to you? That means if you don't pay off your debt, your debt doubles in four years but let's talk about how much they pay you all right interest rates uh, for savings is 0.75 percent so how many years is it going to take for your money to double 96 do you think it's rigged hmm. this is why you guys can't get out of trouble because you don't understand how you are getting ripped off i i got a credit card application 27 percent interest rate mm-hmm. i said how do the interest rate of your cards they don't i said this is why you you don't have the luxury as we did because mm-hmm. you don't understand math. Well, this is br- this is brilliant, bud. That you're sitting here, here in a dance class and you're using uh, a dance class to open up the minds and talk about these very important life experiences to help young people. Yeah, and that's because they're open. Mm-hmm. What I mean by they came in expecting nothing, so I kind of tricked them in a way. I say, look. I'm going to share with you some things that some of you might not get right away, but I'm simply planting the seed. And here's why. Because most of you will not challenge or question your life until you're 35. I know because that's what I did. I didn't change my life until I was 35. 
I didn't become a professional dancer till I was 35. Most people retire at my age mm -hmm. and became a professional. I competed till I was 53. Wow. You know, against 27-year-olds. So I think I, I'm doing pretty well in my, in my book. And uh, so they're open to new things. And I tell them, look, you either take it or you don't. But I guarantee you, later on in your life, you're going to go, oh, that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's really my goal is because you're paying a lot for this education and I want you to walk away with something that you can use outside of class. Mm -hmm. That when you leave my class, this is it the class you go, God, I wanna I wanna go back to that class as much as I can because mm -hmm. I was comfortable, I felt I could do anything, I was challenged, but it was all fun and I met new people and I struggled, but it was worth it. That's the lesson I try to teach. How have your students changed you? I can tell you've changed their lives. You've impacted them. How have they changed you? One of the things I tell my students about my passion, I said, okay, I've been teaching for 13 years. I said, guess how many days I've missed at school? Three days of school in, in 13 years. And that, and that includes blowing out my plantar fascia. Mm. Not being able to walk, I still showed up. Including food poisoning, I still showed up. Wow. The only time was when I caught the flu. One time, I could not get out of bed. Mm. I wanted to, but I, my body just hurt too much. So in 13 years of teaching, I missed three days of class because mm. I'm so passionate about what I do. Every day to me is if I don't get to teach them a lesson, I'm missing out on something. And it hurts. Mm. It bugs me every time I see somebody not come to class like, oh, you're going to miss this lesson, and this could have been the lesson that changed your life. Mm. So that's... That's where I come from when it's, you know, uh, that's how they changed me. And when I see somebody, um, when you get to my book and you read the letters from my students, when I see what I've done to their life, it just lights me up. You know, it makes it worth going to school every day and going, I could change somebody's life today and they're going to be better for it. That's my gasoline. That's what gets me going every day. I can tell. A, a second ago when we were talking about... Um, young people and some of the stress that they're dealing with and you you opened up about maybe some of the the, the stresses and the pressures that maybe families and parents put on young people to to have success in life and you know you were very candid about the fact that you know it's a, these these parents are well-intentioned they're well intentioned they want the best for their kids they realize how difficult life can be they realize that the hardships that life are uh, can present and they so desperately want the best for their children but unfortunately some of them aren't able to articulate it the right way they're not choosing the right words to be able to motivate their children in a positive way to bring out the best in them and it it strikes me that the book that you wrote words matter you you're you're actually addressing this and so now not only are you a, a college professor using the dance floor to be able to motivate inspire and teach your uh your students to be able to have uh success in life but you've now taken all this wealth of wisdom put it into a, a books but specifically words matter we're going to tell all of our listeners where they can go get this but um this is something that you're very passionate about. When you and I have had uh, private conversations over the last year, uh, two years, uh, it w it's interesting how we will get on this topic. And, uh, you, and you've even said, hey, Bob, why don't you change? You used this word. Why don't you use this other word instead? And it's very eye-opening. I want to read a, a quick um, a little quote here. 
that you have in the book. And this quote is, words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. It strikes me in everything that we're going through as a country today, how real and powerful that quote really is. Tell me why you're passionate about words and why choosing the right words can make such a big difference in a person's life. It's so, it's to me, it's such a simple little twerk. And uh, I wanted to catch you a couple times while you were talking to me because it flows out of all of us so mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. I do this. I need to do that. If you even the, every time I hear a politician, I go crazy. It's like, there's a reason why nothing's happening in this country because we need to do it. Mm -hmm. We want to do this. We want change. We want to take action. We want these results, but mm -hmm. we keep saying we need to. And it's just like, that's why it's not happening. Um, I have a little saying that said, you'll never see a poster, forget the needy, feed the greedy. And I'm not, I'm not condoning greediness, but people who are greedy take, and that's why they get. People who are needy show that their mental state is that they don't have the power to. And so they need, you know, they need this support. Now, I'm not saying need is a bad thing, but we use it so often that we basically unconsciously tell us that we are not in control. You know, we need to make a difference. Well, no, I want to make a difference. It has a whole different ring to it. Mm -hmm. uh, the example I use with my students is that I want you to hear these, the difference between these two. How many of you need to graduate? And I will look at the hand and say, how many of you want to graduate? I said, those who want to will. Those who need to, you're not in the right mindset. You don't feel like you can you can do it, so you're like, oh, I gotta, I need to go to class. There's a big difference when you want to go to class and when you need to go to class. Your attitude is different. Your mindset is different. Uh, you're more open to things. And wanting attracts. I can't say it enough how much wanting attracts. Uh, if you, <laughs> you'll read in my book how I got my job at San Jose State and uh, even even Deborah was saying, oh, good luck, you'll never get it. said, no, you don't understand. I want this job. And make long story short, I got it. I've been there for 13 years. Wow. And I, I went against all of the, the, the normal things that you're supposed to go through. Point being is that our words are so powerful. Um, I was in another seminar, and uh, he said that the average child by the age of two hears 42 negative comments a day mm. versus so how can you grow up feeling good about yourself when you're constantly no 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 don't do this don't do that no stop so Bob, i just got to share with you this is my mom's words of wisdom you know what's expected of you that's it <laughs> you know what's expected of you and like what am i supposed to do with that she just says you know what's you know what's right and that's how I kind of like to live my life. I really think about, well, is this right or wrong? That's why I make a joke. Rules are for people who can't think. People who can think will go, well, that's not quite right. Well, that's not quite right either. Okay, then I'll do this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be told what to do because I know what is right mm -hmm. in the sense that as long as I'm not harming another human being, I have two simple rules. If it doesn't cost anybody's life or, or if it doesn't harm them or it doesn't cost them money, it's okay because those are the two things that people get you know people will kill over money mm -hmm. so whatever i do doesn't uh, make them lose money or cost them money or affect them negatively with mm -hmm. money 
okay my book mm -hmm. because I'm looking I'm always looking out for the benefit I, I tell everybody if it doesn't save you money make you money or benefit you I'm not going to waste your time mm. we have junk going on in this world already it's to be filled with stuff that doesn't matter and um, you know it's just a matter of paying attention I'm always looking I, part of my problem is my brain doesn't stop thinking <laughs> I'll get up at o'clock in the morning going oh I gotta solve this problem And um, so that's that's my challenge is to put my mind at rest. You really focus on teaching uh, words that are empowering, to use an empowering mindset and to also use empowering words, which changes everything. I have a sample. Uh, I like to my words of wisdom for today were this. Uh, I called it the seven C's of life. So the seven C's of life, the letter C, are courage character, choose, commit, challenges, community, and change. And I put in parentheses charity because there's always a notion out there it's never been explored. And I wrote it into this little statement. I wish to develop the courage and character and choose to commit to overcome whatever challenges I face and I'm willing to be the change that inspires more charity from my community. Mm. And as I go down the line, I explain what each word means. Courage means doing it even though you are afraid. Character is who you are when no one's looking. Choose is the direction that you're going to take your life. Most people are afraid to choose their direction. They let other people do it. Whenever you commit, commit 100%. Many people start things but never finish it. Challenges. If you don't have any challenges in life, you're not growing. Every goal you want to achieve in life, someone's out to stop you. And there's a book called What's in the Way is the Way, hmm. kind of a, tells you what challenges there are. Community. You are nothing without a community. You may think you're the best person, the handsomest person, whatever. If nobody likes you, you're not going to be well known. Hmm. Change. The hardest part about change is that we have to be change ourselves, and then other things will change for us. So that's how I put things. I love it. I love the word choose and focusing on that. I think there's, I've found that there's a lot of people in life that have an aversion to choice. They don't like to choose. They would much rather somebody else uh, pick a direction for them or push them in a direction. Uh, here, and here's why I believe that's the case. When I choose something, if it's right or wrong, if it's good or bad, the result is 100% on me. I have nobody to blame. And there's a lot of people in life, I feel, that don't want to take any responsibility and they don't want to think that, well, I made a bad choice. I made a wrong decision where that solely rests on their shoulders. It's a lot easier to go through life and say, well, it's my mom's fault, my dad's fault, the government's fault, the this fault, and, and always point the blame someplace else. And one of the things that I love about how you look at life, and specifically as I've been reading through the, uh, your book, Words That Matter, you, you share an empowering mindset. You tell people to uh, choose empowering words, to take, and it's a, it's a way of life of taking personal responsibility, making a choice, and then being like, you know what? I'm, sometimes I'm going to make the right choice. Sometimes I'm going to make the wrong choice. I'm going to take responsibility for my life. I'm not abdicating decisions to somebody else. And, uh, I, and I, it's a very empowering way to live life. And I found that the most successful people in life have that type of um, mindset and use those types of empowering words. Yep, exactly. And because 
we're already constantly being judged. We get judged by how our hair is, what our, you know, what we look like, our weight. Uh, and plus, we have so many impossible, uh, especially girls. I mean, I have a special place in my heart because A, I have a daughter. B, uh, I'm all for women's empowerment because they have been kept, you know, I, I, it's really funny. In almost everything that I do right now, 90% of the people in the businesses that I'm involved with are women. There are more and more women are taking charge and more and more women are taking control. And it's, it's learning how to communicate. What I find is women communicate better than men because we were, men communicate in a way to show power as opposed to community. Um, I did it, I used to sell communication workshops, so this is where I learned some of this stuff. Uh, they said that the average man speaks 10,000 words a day, the average woman speaks 25,000 words a day. And men can communicate by using sounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim Allen, we can, yeah. that's how we communicate. Ooh. Well, Bud, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of uh, great wisdom, words of wisdom, Bud words of wisdom out of this. Uh, where can they go find uh, your book? This, so this is coming out right now. It's brand new here early in 2021. So where, where's the best place for folks to grab your book? Okay, my website is wordsmatterbybudayers.com. You have to put in by Bud Ayers because somebody else owns the right to words matter in, in you know the website. So you got to put the by Bud Ayers there. And then there's a link that says buy the book. So and, words uh, that matter by Bud Ayers, and your last name is A-Y-E-R-S.com, BudAyers.com. And that's where you can uh, get this incredible book. Highly encourage all of our listeners to go out there and check that out. Um, so, Bud, I want to leave with one quote here, and I want to ask you for your thoughts on this. I loved this poem that you had towards the end of your book. You said, we used to think the world was flat. We were wrong. We used to think we couldn't fly. We were wrong. We used to think the sun revolved around the earth. We were wrong. We used to think we knew a lot about life. We were wrong. We used to think. Dot, dot, dot. Where do we need to be thinking as a people today? What do we need to be thinking about right now? As we're entered into a kind of... Uh, an unusual, we've, we've exited a, a, an unusual 2020, we've entered into a, an interesting 2021. Where do we need to be thinking? Okay, so I'll catch you on that one. We don't, want, we don't need to be anywhere. What we want. What we want. What do, what do we want to think about? What we want to do is think about other people and helping other people. Because when we help others, we grow. When it's all when it's just you by yourself or, you know, it's me against the world, you're a hermit and hermits don't change the world. All they do is they protect themselves and they end up being, uh, you know, living a life of just isolation. And to me, that's not living. To me, what wakes me up every morning is when I see someone and I can affect their day in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I can look at them and say, hey, how are you feeling today? I've had growth, literally, I look at them and I just... And they all hate me for this. I look at them and say, are you okay? And the next thing I know, they're crying their eyes out. Mm. I can just read it. Mm. And as they're, we've been so used to put, putting up a facade. This is what I want everyone to see. I'm perfect. I'm this. I'm happy. And in reality, it's the total opposite. 
And what 2020 did for me was I saw more real people. I think people let their guard down because you are now inviting them into their homes mm -hmm. and they're getting what their homes are like. And you really get to see that all the different living conditions that people have. So the more compassion we have, the more we can come together to solve problems. But if it's you against me, it's never going to work. It's never works when it's you against me. Right. It's always going to work if we work as a team. Uh, now for competition, yeah, that's a different story. But in life, for this planet to survive, we want to work towards solutions, not safeguarding. Not, I'm going to protect myself, I'm going to protect my family. Because guess what? <laughs> There's going to be a lot more of them than you. So it's better to be part of the community, you know, than to do everything by yourself. So think in a global sense. That's why my book, when I was, well, I wanted to mention my book, I donate money from my book to San Jose SJSU Cares to feed the students there. And I wanted to do something that no one else did was, you can profit from my book. I will share the profits with you. If you tell other people about it, I will pay you to share my book with you. And that way, I give people solutions to their problems. You want to figure out problems where you you get yourself out of a problem. Mm. Um, we have to work towards solving problems. We want to work towards solving problems. We want to work towards being other people-centric, helping others, looking for ways in which we can have impact in our community, not be a hermit, but rather get engaged. Get out there on that dance floor. Don't be worried about what you think other people are thinking about you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Don't let fears hold you back. Get on that dance floor and dance like nobody's watching. Right, bud? Yes, that is absolutely correct. With that said... We will uh, let people go out and grab this great book, Words Matter by Bud Ayers. You've been told where to be able to get it. Words Matter by BudAyers.com. That's A-Y-E-R-S.com. We will also have that in the show notes. Bud, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today on the podcast, sharing words of wisdom with our audience. We greatly appreciate you. Uh, I, I love you as a not only as a, a friend and a brother, uh, but also just a, a business partner and for what you stand for. So I just want to say thank you. Can I just do one last thing? If they want to learn to dance, join my Become a Fan of Bud Ayers Facebook. And you can watch me teach dancing there and you can learn online. Absolutely. All right. Everybody, everybody, nobody has an excuse now not to be a good dancer. And like you said, Bud, you've never met somebody who wished they couldn't dance. So go out there, put on your dancing shoes. 2021 is a great year to get out on the dance floor and do it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, folks. Well, that's our latest episode of Taking the Leap Podcast. Hope you had a wonderful time. Make sure to go out there and check out that great book, Words Matter by BudAyers.com. And until next time, get out there on that dance floor, take some risks. Don't worry about what other people might think or say. Just live life and do it to its fullest. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap Podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.